Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I'm your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Thursday, August 3rd, and we're talking new gambler mistakes that rookies make. I'm joined by Sportito's own Doug Reed. We got a list of six topics, a strategy pod, a beat drop. Let's go. This pod teaches you not to be a gambling schmuck. What did TLC say? We ain't want no scrubs. Scrub is a guy can't get no love from me. Don't be a gambling scrub. All right, welcome in. I am joined right now by the head of the Sports Ethos Wagering Division and the man who hosts the Today in Sports Betting podcast. His name is Doug Reed. Doug, how are you doing? And thank you for coming on. I think this is your first time on The Advantage, right? Yeah, it is. I've been looking forward to this uh, all week since you asked me to come on. It's been way too long. Uh, i got to get you on my show. I love, love uh, listening to your show. Ever since you started, it's been must-listen to me. Uh, As much as I thought I knew everything about betting, I've learned way too much uh, from you in the last year or so. So happy to be here. I appreciate that. I appreciate the kind words. And the reason why we haven't always, I mean, we've been in contact and we've been talking betting and lines for over a year now. Uh, he's Doug is also can be found with his best bets. He focuses on the MLB, college sports, college basketball, college football. He's crushing those things in the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord. So get in there, like I often say on this podcast. But Doug, I'm the people who listen to this pod know I'm NBA and NFL strictly. So we haven't really been able to cross collaborate because, you know, you're breaking down MLB slates while I'm doing NBA slates. But today's episode and the reason why we're getting together today is something I'm really excited for. We are both veterans in the sports betting industry. So today is a basic overview, a little bit of a strategy episode on how to avoid some of the classic rookie mistakes and pitfalls that new gamblers make when they start approaching the sports gambling world. And I think now is actually the best time to do that, Doug, because we, what, it's tonight's, it's Thursday, August 3rd. Tonight's the Hall of Fame game between the Jets and the Browns. We're right around the corner from NFL season starting, which is the time of the year when you probably get the most influx of new bettors into the market, people returning to being sports bettors and people being re-engaged with betting content and how to go about this. So now is actually the time when a lot of these people are going to start making these mistakes. So me and Doug are here. Uh, I, gave, I told Doug for this episode to come up with a list of three things that are his rookie mistakes and tips on how to avoid them or things that he thinks are under-discussed for new gamblers. Doug, to be totally transparent to the audience before we get started, I gave you one rule before the pod. Do you want to tell the people what the rule was? The one rule to talk about how great parlays are and how I'm a huge fan of parlays? So I told. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm talking to the wrong guy. You mean uh, <laughs> don't talk about parlays? I told Doug, come up with a list of three. But the people who listen to this pod certainly know I'll handle the parlay one. So my first question yeah. for you, Doug, is: Would you like me to share the intro rant and start screaming about how bad parlays are, or would you like to kick us off and give us your first rookie mistake? No, no, I, I want to hear your rant. I've heard it a few times, and I love it because I agree with everything you say. Uh, it just reconfirms everything I believe. But you say it much more eloquently and much more passionately. So I'll leave the floor to you, my man. Eloquently is a is a is a funny word choice for there. <laughs> passionately, definitely agree, Doug. When I'm talking about uh, 
parlays or rookie mistakes or these things. And I want to preface this before I sound like a raging, angry person on this podcast. I'm a, I come from the perspective of, like, we need to give some tough love to the people who are not realizing how dumb what they are doing truly is. So, like, just approaching someone and saying, hey, if you really study the math behind parlays, they're, they're minus EV bets, and they're, it's a not really a winning strategy, and it's not the best bets to place, but I understand if you think you're having more fun. Like, no. No, no, no. That's not how I go about this. And the reason why you say passionate about this is because I don't care very off the bat to say, if you are betting parlays, you're dumb as fuck. It is the stupidest thing you can do as a sports better is a new entering the market is to start playing parlays with any sort of regularity whatsoever. Um, I think it's the obvious place to start for the worst mistakes. I think new gamblers fall into this pitfall all the time. They see the, you put two minus 110 lines together and you get a 2.6x multiplier. You think, whoa, bet $100 to win 260 and only two things need to go right. Then you start putting four, five, eight, nine, ten 10 things together and that multiplier grows and grows and grows and it looks sexy. But what bettors and specifically new bettors fail to realize, Doug, is that these multipliers that you are given about parlays are actually costing you value. They are not multipliers. They are traps that reduce the value of your bet. Every time that multiplier grows, the ratio of proportion of value lost actually increases. So they are not multipliers. They are mousetraps. And you think about it, that two-leg parlay, I'll go over some basic, 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 basic math here. A two-leg parlay on standard odd has a 2.6x multiplier. However, there are four possible outcome combinations to choosing two events. If you start growing that, as I'll say, when we start to add on legs, it starts to get more costly. When you have a five-leg parlay, you get a 45x multiplier. So you're thinking, wow, only four things need to go right for me to bet this $100 and win $4,500. It looks sexy. But the truth behind it is that now there are 64 possible outcomes with that five-leg bet. So you are costing yourself much more value. You could keep going with that and scale that up to say when you bet a 10-leg parlay, Doug, your multiplier is 511x, but your outcome possibilities are 1,024. So in gambling, parlay should be a curse word. Simply put, if you bet parlays, you are getting fucked. Uh, if you just study the simplest of math behind parlays, you will quickly realize it is unbeatable in the long run. There are no professional gamblers using parlays. And word to the wise, anyone that you see on Twitter promoting parlays is actually instantly showing their cards of being a bad better. And there is no way around this in a large sample size. I'll go with one more thing. Last point on this is that when you bet a straight minus 110 line, the implied probability is 52.38, but we understand that these live lines, based on the way they're priced, have likely a 50-50 outcome chance of happening. You can make up that difference if you get ahead of line movement, if you, you know, gain more outcome probabilities on your side, you can make up that little loss of general standard EV in the sports betting market, which is why the house operates the way they do and why they have McMansions out in Vegas on the strip. On the flip side, there is a, on average parlay bets, a minus 30% EV. That difference is so drastic 
that you cannot make the difference up with things like line movement and things like getting on the right side of a sharp side or, or anything like that. It is so far out of your favor that you cannot flip that on its head like you can for a straight bet. So the only reason to bet parlays is to cost yourself money. And if you're acting like FanDuel is Make-A-Wish and you're trying to donate your money to them. Do not bet parlays. If you are a new sports gambler, let me tell you and let me remind you one more time. It is the stupidest, stupidest thing a new gambler can do would be to be submitting parlays with any whatsoever sort of regularity. How did I do, Doug? Not bad, my friend. I knew it was coming, and I love it. Love that rant. Uh, you were bang on. Uh, I couldn't agree more. You know, just a couple things that that I, to add, and you touched on it a little bit. But I, I think I heard the stat recently from FanDuel, and their average take on a typical minus one ten line is five percent. Obviously, that's the juice. Uh, that's their profit margin. The average take on a parlay for them is thirty percent. So it just stands to reason if you just look at it at a new better coming into the game, the house is going to make five percent on average on every straight bet or they're gonna make 30% on a parlay. Why do they promote parlays? Why do they want you to, 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 to parlay games? Because they're gonna make a lot more money. And pro, one of the problems, especially if new betters coming in, or even experienced betters kind of looking to reevaluate as you head into the NFL season, you mentioned it briefly before if somebody's promoting on Twitter, but you're gonna hear, I guarantee you sometime during the NFL season, you're gonna hear somewhere on social media about some guy who dropped an eight or 10 leg parlay, put a hundred bucks down and won 50, 60 grand, some ridiculous amount. And yep. everybody just gravitates towards that. I, I know NFL, if I could do that every week, yeah, I'm gonna lose 16 out of 17 weeks, but I'm gonna hit that last one. And you're not. You know, that, that, that one guy who hit that 50 or $60,000 prize, you're never gonna hear from him again because he's never gonna hit it, even if he keeps playing that the rest of his life. And you know, it, 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 it's true, he hit it, and, but it's like buying a lottery ticket. And to your point, you're not stacking the odds in your favor at all. In fact, you're crushing your chance to make money long term. It's fun. It's sexy. It's exciting. You can win big. Uh, you know, you put 10, 50 bucks down, you can win a huge amount. But long term, it's not. It's it is 100% the death of bankrolls uh, long term. So I agree completely with your rant. Everything you said. Uh, I haven't dropped a parlay in months. And uh, it, it, the only time I would ever do it is if you're just bored and you want to put a little bet on a. You know, hockey's a tough sport to pick, so something like that. But it's it's you're right. It's donating to the books, and it's not worth it's not worth the time. And if you're looking to grow your bankroll over time, it ain't gonna work doing that. Do you think I should? Do you think I should go into the one reason why you would parlay, or should we just leave it out? Sure. Well, while we're talking about it, it's good to know people getting into it. All right. The one reason when you would find my bankroll submitting a parlay would be only in under one circumstance. Let's say my bankroll at one book is $1,000. Just blanket, easy number to use. Yeah, yeah. If I am suddenly hitting that and, and moving that up at a good proportion, right, and, and my unit size will be bigger than 1.2% at that particular account because right. my unit size is 1.2% of all of my bankrolls added up. So even though I might only have $1,000 in DraftKings, I also have a few thousand dollars elsewhere. So my bankroll comes from a, you know, a 10x place. And then your, 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 your average bet size on FanDuel might look like $120. Again, I'm using completely arbitrary numbers. Sure. Yeah. Um, so... If that FanDuel account was to grow from 1,000 to 
1120 to, to 1240 to 1360 to 1480 to 1600 I'm now at 1600 in that account it's peaking and I'm like okay I'm betting you know decent sized money I'm bringing home a great return and this account has is at its absolute peak and the only thing that I'm scared of happening right now Doug is being limited by the limited. books I don't want yeah. them to realize that holy shit Michael Fiddle's winning a lot on this account. We should actually reduce his line. This guy's only hitting the sharp sides of line. This guy's only pretty much playing straight 110 bets. This guy's gained so much CLV over the, over the last few weeks. What I would do in that situation is drastically reduce my uh, wager price, and I would submit a, a few intentionally very dumb parlays uh, will not care about sharp side, will not care about correlated angles. I'm not going to do uh, a home dog with an under because I know those things are correlated and those are both the sharp sides. No, I'm leaving all of those things alone. I'll go straight into my public brain of like, let's choose a random game and pick four or five things that we think are going to happen. Or let's go in the futures market and pair two or three awards. Like that's the dumbest thing you can do is pair awards bets in a parlays. But I will do it simply because I want to show the FanDuel and I want their computer algorithms to think I'm a total sucker. I want them to see that if my normal bet size is 100 bucks for every three bets that I put in, I'm also putting in a $1 parlay. If you extrapolate that over the long run, if you look at averages, now my average bet size, again, if three bets are $100 and, and then a parlay of $1, then you have your average bet size is about $75 and your average parlay ratio is 25%. In actuality, if we look at the weight of those things, it's completely skewed, and we're throwing off the system. So yeah. the, only, the only reason to, to place a parlay, if you've already demonstrated your, yourself to be so successful and understanding how dumb these are, that you actually want to look like an idiot so that you can actually make more money on the back end. Yeah, makes sense. It's a, it's a good position. It's a good problem. That means you've been successful in doing what you're doing, but uh, I agree. Doug, Throw yes. the system off, and that's about it. Hit us with your first rookie gambling mistake and pitfall. So uh, this one, it could go on for an hour about, and there's many different angles, but it's bankroll management. And, you know, I, I know when I got into this many years ago, I was certainly succumbed to this. And bankroll management is such a boring topic. It sounds very, fairly self-explanatory. I've got a bankroll. I've got to manage it properly. I don't want to lose all my money. Don't, ma you know, don't make huge bets. Uh, but it's more than that. And I think the two key points of bankroll management are, one, uh, if you go back and research what professional bettors have done, and you know you can just go into Google and simply type bankroll management for professional bettors or uh, how should I manage a bankroll on sports gambling, anything like that. And you'll find it always comes up with um, uh, the limit of your bet. It should be one to 2% of your bankroll, maybe three if you're really, really aggressive on a, on a game. So you know, with all my plays and sports ethos, I've probably dropped five or 600 over the last year uh, between all my sports. And in our wager pass, and I haven't made one bet over 2% of my bankroll, and I've only probably made about 10 or 12 uh, at 2%. Everything else is a 1% bet. And the reason is, um, if you're in this for the long haul, and I know a lot of people who are going to be listening are recreational. Uh, you know, they're either starting out, going in the NFL, or they've been doing it for a little while. And, um, you know, they're in it for the fun. They want to sit down. They live in New York. They're a Jets fan. They've got their Aaron Rodgers jersey. They want to watch the first game against the Bills. They open an account and they're like, you know, I put a thousand bucks in. I'm putting two or three hundred on the Jets. Terrible, terrible move. You know, terrible. It's fun, move. It's <laughs> well, it's recreational. You know, you're 20, 30 percent of your bankroll. 
I would suggest put your Rodgers jersey on, sit down, turn on the game, and bet on three or four different games, not that game. Um, and But to get back to the 1% or 2% of your um, bankroll for each bet you make, that will allow you to um, sustain betting for a longer period of time. You know, it, 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 we're all, You're going to have hot streaks, you're going to have cold streaks, but if you're limiting the amount that you bet, uh, you'll never be... Sure, you you can argue that you won't have, you know you won't rapidly increase your bankroll, but you won't rapidly decrease it. So winning is very easy. Uh, you know you build your confidence. You think you're smarter than the market. You put four bets in in week one, and you go three and one. You're like, damn, I should have been betting more. I should have bet more games. Well, you can just as easily go one and three the next week and give it all back. So if you're managing the amount that you bet, your highs won't be as high. But uh, what professional uh, uh, wagers do better than the average Joe is they manage the downside. They manage the cold streaks. Everybody's going to have a cold streak. Everybody's going to have a losing week. Everybody's going to have a losing month. And if you're limiting your bets to one or two percent of your bankroll, you can sustain that. If you're going in with a thousand dollar budget and you're throwing a hundred dollars on a game right away, and you have a bad week or two, you know you, you've cut your bankroll in half. You're down to five hundred bucks, four hundred bucks, something, and you're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And then panic starts sitting in. Maybe you double down. Maybe you, you you ratchet your bets down. There's no way you're making that back up. So. It's a simple process and it's not something that you know you or I have come up with. Oh, we just pulled that number out of the air. It is what professional gamblers have been doing for decades. If you do some research on it, if you if you hear them interviewed, if you read up on it, uh, they limit their bets predominantly to one or two percent. So, you know, if you hear these pundits, this is a five star bet, five percent of your bankroll, ignore them. Like you hear that all the time. It's 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 oh my God. And, and, and as oh, well and as gambling has been uh, uh, legalized, you know, across the states and Canada. Uh, everybody's getting into it and there's all kinds of experts coming out and you know you almost feel like texting these guys saying have you ever done an ounce of research like nobody bets five percent of their bankroll consistently um and you know you see it all the time so 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 bank bankroll management 101 is limit your bets to one or two percent second part of bankroll management is set a unit price so it kind of ties into the first one um but set a set unit of uh, uh, of what you're going to wager so whether it be 100 bucks whether it be 50 bucks um and, and just bet that same amount every time. Don't look at a car, you know, don't look at week one, the NFL and say, well, I really like the Jets game. Uh, I'm going to bet 200 bucks on that. And then the other games, I'm going to bet 50 bucks on that. You know, set a unit price. Again, you can uh, better withstand the highs and lows of the season. Um, you, you can better manage your bankroll. And again, this isn't me making this up or you making this up. You'll see professional bettors. They obviously have much larger accounts than, than the average person out there. But they're not... Uh, varying their bets. Oh, I got on a hot streak. I'm going to start doubling up my bets. No, you stick with what you got. Now, I know one of your first podcasts, I think you had a great little formula for how you increase your unit size. And I think that's a very wise move. So, you know, if you're starting out, use the example, uh, or let's say you start out with a $100 bet. And, you know, you have a bit of a run. And after the first four weeks of NFL, your bankroll's up 10%, which is a fantastic return. But, okay, Jack your bets up to $110, just a small increment. Your bankroll, you know, your collective bankroll is up 10%. Increase your, your unit uh, size 10%. Don't think that you finally mastered the art of betting. Don't think that you're smarter than the market. And don't think, you know what? If I'd have been betting 200 bucks for the first month, I'd be up way more money. So now I'm going to just double my bet size. Because you, you can go cold just as easily as you went hot. And then you'll start to crush your bank your, your, your bankroll. So I really believe in set your unit size. As it goes up, increase it. As you go down... Don't necessarily decrease it. So if you if you go on a bit of a losing streak, don't drop your hundred dollar bets down to ninety because that just makes it harder uh, to to climb back out of the hole. 
and you know have your process stick to your process but stick to the unit size until you get to you know you can set goals for yourself if i get up five percent if i get up ten percent i know you've got the, your formula if you go on a certain run you know you increase your unit size marginally i think that's the way to slowly grow your bankroll but be very disciplined in it and you know don't double up and don't double down and don't uh, um, you know panic if you if you have a losing streak so you know bankroll management is key i don't know if i've articulated it properly but just do a just do 15 20 minutes of research and you can find limit your bets to one or two percent and have a uh, set unit size and stick with it. It's kind of the uh, first think, step, I believe. Doug, I think you articulated that absolutely beautifully. And I want to just double down on one of these points. I guess double down is the, the wrong terminology here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to re-emphasize one of those points in the fact that it seems like the public pitfall and the new gambler pitfall is exactly what you said. It's having that first good week or having that little good stretch and you thinking to yourself, oh, I, I know what I'm doing, so let me yeah. just double this. There are reasons to have one bet that's twice as much as the other one. You've said it yourself. There's been 12 to 14 times over the last year or so where you've had a 2x bet compared to your normal ratios. I think, yeah. Doug, that's a very appropriate betting percentage to your other bets. It's it's not regular. It's irregular for you to double, to double it up, but there are reasons. And generally, the public pitfall is doubling up when they've been doing well right. when yeah. that actually means absolutely nothing the way no. how you performed in the last five games is zero indicator of how you're going to perform in the sixth and the seventh and eighth so what i like to say and i don't think i've talked about this enough on my podcast is the reason why you should increase your exposure on certain bets the reason why certain lines should be a two unit bet or a three unit bet or whatever they are is because you're now reading the market in the way that you know we do and we are anticipating larger amounts of line movement before the game I mean, you're expecting this to go through a key number so like i've talked about you know the value of three in football is a very important key number it matters a lot more than a five or a six or something like that an eight and a half is less relevant than a two and a half or a three so if you have a supreme level of confidence and you're reading the betting indicators to show that the line that you're getting at plus three is likely to drop to plus 2.5. Maybe it's that Steelers week one line against the 49ers right now. And you're like, I'm getting the most important key number on my side and ahead of the line movement. So this particular ticket is going to hold more weight than the other ones in terms of its positive expected value. Those are the bets where you want to increase your exposure. You want to have reasons why in terms of expected value and implied probability. I'm probably getting way too advanced for a beginner's pod, but you want to know why you're doing this for actual reasons of the game, not because you feel extra confident. If that's your reasoning, then that's a bad reasoning. Not because yeah. you've done well and you think this next bet is going to hit. Every single bet I place, I think I'm going to hit. I'm not going to place a bet that I think I'm going to lose. I'm also just smart enough to know I'm still going to lose 45% of the ones I even thought I was going to win. So for that reason, you have to adjust your, your unit price. You have to stay low, keep jabbing at the market is what I always say. And the times that you do increase your bankroll or your exposure in a certain spot have to be related to increased chances of that spot winning for betting reasons. And we will cover a lot of those. But just because you've done well or you feel good about it is not one of those spots. Doug, I want to branch off of the bankroll management one and say another thing very related to this in kind of an intro and, and rookie mistake is, is volume. I feel... Even though they, let's say maybe someone has a 
good amount of bankroll management control, they might be completely overexposed in their volume of bets early on. We see, I mean, me and you are in the sports ethos, wager pass and discord. We see the influx of people that are just suddenly interested in tennis because Wimbledon's happening. We see the influx of people that are just suddenly interested in PGA golf because the US Open's happening. Like we, I actually tend to go the other way and be like, if you are like a new better in this space, you shouldn't just be betting these tennis matches because you're watching them. You shouldn't like, we watched everyone who's betting sports dog uh, what does you have to be 18 or 21 for, for, for that to be legal? So yeah. that means you're at least 21 years old. That means you've been a sports fan for at least a decade before you were allowed to bet yeah. on sports. Why all of a sudden do you need to bet on every fucking game you watch? Like you were doing this for 10 years, having total interest in sports without having money on the line. If you're interested in the game, just watch the game. You don't need to have money on it. Money should be tied to places where you find value in the market. And I feel like volume of new bettors. People want to come in and they want to bet and they want to place a new, another bet today and they want to get these three lines because these are the one games on TV. Calm down. The, the, the most realistic scenario right now is that you're making a lot of rookie mistakes that maybe we're going to cover in this pod, maybe we're not, but you are going to learn as you continue to gamble more, oh shit, I actually am starting to learn that a plus nine spread is correlated with an under 201 and things like that. I'm starting to pick up on these travel schedules, on the fact that the Utah Jazz uh, just played the Lakers the night before and now they play the Clippers, but the Clippers were actually on the East Coast, so even though this is a home game for the Clippers, they're actually not the team, like the Utah Jazz didn't have to travel and the Clippers did have to travel. So you're learning to pick up these schedule spots, these other systems, these angles, and you will learn how to do these things as you grow as a gambler. So when you start off for so many reasons, your volume should actually be lower than normal. I'm a yeah. pretty high volume better because I fucking know what I'm doing. And I understand key numbers, CLV, line movement, all of these things. And I'd like to take a lot of small shots hoping that I'm a 55% winner and everything is 1%. So that way, when I, get, when I hit a 55% rate on high volume, I take home high return. If I was a new better in the space, and when I was a new better in the space, when I started doing this when I was a freshman in college, which I guess means you have to be 18, not 21, um, <laughs> right? Just figure that one out myself. Uh, so when I started doing this, I, I uh, would go to the library at college, Doug, and I would track professional gamblers, and I would only place the bet if I got the exact same bet at the exact same odds and the exact same amount of unit exposure. And I understood tailing a professional or tailing someone that you trust only means exact same number, exact same odds, exact same exposure, because if you want, if I have a roughly 55% hit rate and someone starts to tail me, they will have roughly 55% hit rate no matter which bets they take as long as they're taking the exact same ones. You might not have the amount of ROI because the amount of bet volume impacts ROI, but you should have the same amount of take home percentage. And for that reason, when you are new in gambling, keep your volume level very low to start. Learn to skip games. If you didn't get the good line that you think another person got, then that line is gone. Then you don't need to, then you don't need to bet the game. You could simply watch it and remember that you were a fan for 10 years before you were betting money on games. So why do we need to bet on games? And also, Doug, this is blasphemy to me. How many people have you, said, have you heard say, oh, it's not enough where if I lose it, I actually care? 
and at the same time, they're watching every play and screaming at the refs. I don't understand the dichotomy between being so intense throughout the game and then realizing your bet lost and going, eh, it's, it's okay, I, it was actually, I'm not betting enough to actually care that much. It's like, then, wh then what are you doing? Why are you doing, yep. I what agree. are you doing? You can't, you can't play both sides of the scale. You can't think that this game is going to be way more entertaining and way more intense because you have money on it, but it's yet still not enough money for you to actually care. It's like, find your line. Uh, yeah. I also want to speak to what you said about the Jets fan depositing on DraftKings and playing a 30% bankroll today. Like, why do we need to bet? Maybe you could explain this to me, Doug. Why do people bet on their own teams? I don't understand it. At so, all. well, you, know, you already have rooting interest in this team. Why do you then need to have money and financial risk exposure tied to it? I don't understand that. Well, you're leading me. It was my third point, but to jump ahead, uh, yeah, take uh, it bet, away. Bet with bet with your head, not with your heart. And Fuck um, yeah. and, and I've learned that a long time ago. Uh, you know, I live in Toronto. I'm a huge Raptors fan. I think I placed one bet on the Raptors last year. Seahawks, huge Seahawks fan. Um, I was all over their under their six and a half total last year and, I, and it was just my gut telling me they weren't that good. I was dead wrong, clearly. Geno Smith was better than I thought he was going to be. But um, I just couldn't pull the trigger because I didn't have any sound, rational uh, 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 numbers to back it up. I just had a gut feeling they were going to underperform, so I stayed away from it. And I've said this forever, you know, back to that Jets game. I'll be watching the Bills-Jets game. I'm actually on the Bills. I think the Jets are a little overhyped this year, which we probably disagree on, but regardless. No, I, uh, I would um, lean, you could talk to Fish about that one, but I would lean Bills. He would lean Jets. Yeah, I, I just think the market's on, you know, the Jets, uh, uh, big city, uh, Rogers is there, everybody's on top of them, and they're going to be overrated this year, but that's for another show. Um, but um, like I said earlier, you know, watch that game, be a fan of the game, and bet on four different games. You just, too, I've never, I, you know, I learned this real early. I've never understood why people think that they, uh, as a fan of a team, you're betting with your heart. You think, you, you know, you listen to sports radio, you're reading all the uh, media outlets, you're on top of it. Maybe you played football in college, you understand, you know, uh, their offense and defensive schemes, this and that. And, you know, they're going against the Bills and you understand what Josh Allen can do. You are inherently biased towards your own team in a positive or negative way. And you can't help that. As human beings, we can't help that inherent bias that we have to fandom, for lack of a better explanation. So... Um, I've never understood why people, I mean, you know, the, the average guy's like, hey, I'm a, you know, I'm a Jets fan. I just want to bet. I want to sit there and have action on it. Well, to your point, why not just sit and love your team, cheer for your team and have action on other games that you've broken down the number. Maybe you've got some closing line value. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe you thought it was mispriced for, for this reason. Uh, look, use the numbers, um, analyze the game, follow your handicapper, like whatever you want. But, you, you know, you have to have a rational sound reason behind the numbers you're taking not just Aaron Rodgers in town and we're going to roll this year I'm a Jets fan you know I want to throw money on it and and regardless of it's you know I can afford to lose it or I can't afford to lose it what are you doing here you know it's it's fun to bet and gamble it but but we're all trying to make money and making money in small increments over the course of a long NFL season is a whole lot more fun than losing a lot of money because you bet on your favorite team earlier in the year and your bankrolls could put four weeks into the year and you're like oh well I'll wait till next year or 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 there's nothing worse as a new sports better than having to top up your account. You go into the NFL season, you're all jazzed, you've done your <laughs> research, you got your teams, you know, you've got all the data points you like, and you know, by middle October you're like, uh oh, gotta put another thousand bucks in my account. There's yep. nothing worse than that as a new sports better. 
Um, so, you know, one of my points is bet with your head, not with your heart. And it's just, I don't bet my favorite teams. Uh, I watch them religiously. And I just think you're too, you have too many inherent biases to make a sound, rational decision. And with such a fine margin, you know, you've thrown the numbers back and forth. That, you know, to be a successful better, you basically have to clear that 52.4%, call 53% hurdle. Uh, it's such a fine line. You don't want to be, th- you know, if you make 100 bets in the NFL season and 10 of them are on your favorite team, well, you know, those biases may swing you a little too much. And then you're not going to reach that 53, 54% threshold just by losing one or two games. It's as simple as that. And, and you can't be... Listen, I know, you know, it's fun to watch. It's fun to have action on your game, but it's more fun to make money. Yep. So have action on other games and watch your you watch your team play. Doug, there's two things. There's a few things I always say that I think are, are nice to chime in now. I say placing bets should not be fun. Winning bets should be fun and <laughs> yeah. losing bets should be the opposite of fun, right? So losing bets should suck. Winning bets should be fun. And placing bets, like the act of placing bets, if that's like starting to give you like, you got to check yourself when you're starting to feel excited by simply placing a wager. Like, you have yeah. to – it should be the winning of the wager that excites you. It shouldn't just be the fact that you have action. That's what we start to call addic- gambling addiction types of yeah. feelings yeah. and urges, right? Like, I just want to get some action on this game. And and it's funny because the new gamblers are the people who actually demonstrate and, and kind of act like gambling addicts, which is like – a a kind of funny caveat because how could you be an addict when you're brand new to doing this well you also can never be addicted to a drug you don't try so once you actually get that first like that first hook of gambling a lot of people are like instantly starting to do all starting to mimic all of them not calling them gambling addicts but they don't realize they're mimicking a lot of those tendencies so i would stay very clear of doing those things i again bet with your head not your heart is is incredibly smart don't need to have action on every game um and then like like if if you think that you have here i'm going to give two other quick thoughts doug if you think because you're a fan that you understand your team more you're wrong you are up against you are up against companies stat readers people who are trained analytics experts with millions of dollars of formulas with teams of people with these high-level computer algorithms calculating all of these things that are so far above your head there is you are david versus goliath if you think that you have a better read of your team because you watch all of their games so do the formulas the formulas are not only watching all of their games they know every single pace of every single game they've played they know the travel mileage between they know the rest advantage of both teams they know the future comings they know so much more than you you are not smarter than them and then secondly if you are that former athlete and you think that you like you oh i really know basketball i'm a guy who knows hoops whatever if you can't watch this, and a lot of people are going to listen to this thinking, oh, yeah, I'm a big basketball fan. Let me check you real quick. If you think you're a big basketball fan, but when you're watching a game, you cannot recognize them running a horns play, or you cannot just yeah. watch the game and say, oh, that's a hammer action happening, or here yeah. comes an elevator screen. Or like, if you can't identify some basic formations in football, oh, this team just came out in 12 personnel and the, and the, the, the defense is a nickel. You don't know shit about the sport. Yeah. Like, you do not know enough to bet it if you can't simply recognize horns or hammer. These are the two most common plays in the NBA that if you just can't see that the Warriors are running this play, the Lakers are like, you know, the hammer is named after Darvin Ham. 
uh, the Lakers coach, so they run hammer all the time. Yeah. If yeah. you can't recognize that they're doing that stuff, then you don't know this stuff better than enough people to actually start betting it. So, like, take your inherent biases that you think you know more. And I actually say this on the pod all the time. I am actually aware that I know less. It's actually a big part of what I do is understanding that I know a lot less. So instead of looking for my own reasonings, I'm looking in the sports book to show, to find the guy, find the way that the sports book is like kind of, uh, you know, lower in their shoulder one spot or trying to not seem vulnerable here, or like trying to move away. And I'm finding, oh, you think you're vulnerable here? I'm going to bet right into that. So right. it's not about my read on sports. It's about my ability to read the gambling market. So I yeah, think you're playing, you know, you say it all the time. You play the numbers, not the team. Exactly. Um, and, and frankly, even if you do know how to break down defenses and all that, it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, you might be able to pick the team that wins, but we're not necessarily picking a team that wins. You know, we, there's a point spread involved. Right. Uh, you know, there's so many other factors. And uh, another thing, too, with betting with your uh, head and not your heart, how many times do you bet against your favorite team? So you're that New York Jets fan again. Not to keep picking on the Jets, because I'm actually really for, looking forward to the Jets watching them this year in that division. But, you know, how many times in 17 games are you going to bet against your beloved Jets this year? Not very many. You know, sure, you throw a point spread in there. Are you going to, you know, are you going to take them when they're, when, they're, um, when they're the underdog or the favorite? Are you just going to blindly take them? Well, that's a losing proposition. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it, so if, you, if you're betting your favorite team or betting with your heart, you're not going to go against your favorite team. You don't want to sit down on Sunday and you take the Bills. What are they? I think they're minus one and a half. Yeah, road favorite minus one and a half in New York or in Jersey. Yeah. Are you are you going to take Buffalo? Because, well, uh, you know, I want the Jets to win, but I think Buffalo's going to cover. No, you're not. You're taking the Jets blindly, and it works sometimes, but over the course of the season, it's not going to pay off. Over the course so. of the season, if you're just betting the spreads roughly, you're probably going to, and you're just betting one team, you're probably going to come to a roughly 50 50 split in the long run, and you're just going to lose the house big every time. Like you're yeah. just going to lose because you're paying, you're paying that 5% tax. You're paying 10% yeah. winning tax, 0% tax on a losing bet, AKA 5% on average tax. It gets back to you saying straight bets have a 5% edge for the house. That's, that's where the math comes from. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's a great one. Do you do you have any other ones, Doug, that you want to go over? Yeah, one other one was uh, don't chase your losses. And uh, what I mean by this is the most heavily bet games back to the NFL uh, in, in a full sixteen game card in a weekend is Sunday night and Monday night. And traditionally, not every week, but traditionally. And why is that? It's because uh, obviously they're the only game on TV, so you know people watch it, they want to bet it. Uh, because wrong. everyone but, lost money on the ones and the fours, isn't it? That's why. That's why. <laughs> you know, like like I put down four bets Sunday, first Sunday of the year. I'm one and three. I bet a hundred bucks each game. I'm, I won a hundred. I lost three hundred. I'm down two hundred. It's Sunday night. I did all my analysis all week. I didn't like the Sunday night game, but all of a sudden I'm down two hundred bucks. I didn't expect that. Okay, well now let me look at the sun. You know, it's six o'clock on in the East Sunday. The game's starting in a couple hours. Let me let me let me break down this game. No. Oh, Doug, I want to. I want to. I want like to say that that let me bet this Sunday night or Monday night game probably just comes with like let me just take the money line favorite so I can make this back. Like that's like the yeah. classic approach, and it's so dumb. Yeah, it's and, so and, dumb. and you know, it, yeah, and you're down two hundred bucks. You're like, well, you know, my my unit size is a hundred dollars, but I'm down two hundred. I'm gonna put two hundred in this. I really got a good feel for this, or maybe it's a you know a, a longer money line, so you you want to make. Maybe not 200 back, but you want to make... It's like, no, you looked at the game earlier. You didn't like it. Just because you had a bad week, you know, 
wait till next week. Try and recoup it. Try and work. You know, it's a cliche, but sports wagering is a marathon, not a sprint. And you can't, you know, if you're looking at the NFL, you can't look week by week. You should look. You should analyze what you're doing. But you can't go, oh, my God, I'm one. You know, conversely, let's flip that around. Let's say you're three and one to start. And you're like, you know, and the one game you lost was a late fumble that didn't cover the spread. You're like, damn, I should be 4-0. I totally understand this market. I'm on. T- I'm well ahead of the books. What's the Sunday night game? I'm dropping more money on that. No. Right. You, you know, you didn't like Great it all point. week long. I love this. Great don't, point. don't bet on it. And you know what? You, you see this so many times. A few times I've been to Vegas. Sunday night, everybody, you know, a lot of people are leaving. But Sunday night, there's a, there's a huge inflow. Oh, my, I, I got I to get my action in before I go. Why? You know, you didn't like the game. Just move on. You had a bad week. It happens. You know, grind that back over the next few weeks and try and make it back. But so many people chase their losses or or they get too confident and they start doubling down. And just don't do it. You know, look at your games. Uh, analyze your games. To, you know, if there's not an angle you like, just ignore it. I think that can't, relates can't perfectly that to the whole, vo- the whole volume thing, too. If people playing too much, like you just... Just because sure. you're chasing, you're adding in another bet. Or just because you've won, you're throwing in another bet. These aren't reasons to place bets. Right. They're I not. Agree. So but you should skip the bet. You should place a bet when there's a reason to place a bet. Absolutely. Sounds, it sounds well, my last simple. one. Go ahead. You asked me for three, but yeah. I, I, I throw this one, and, and some people will laugh at this, but this is a legitimate uh, rookie mistake. I'm excited. Not even a rookie mistake. Anybody yeah. mistake. Uh, and it doesn't apply to everybody, for sure. So it's a certain certain amount of people that apply to you. Do not gamble or do not place a bet when you're drinking. Oh. So, so many people might say, ah, that's a stupid comment. That's a ridiculous comment. Yeah, sure it is. But listen, if you go to Vegas, or now obviously there's more places, but let's, you know, Vegas, the home of the sports book. You don't have, you can be playing craps. You can be playing blackjack. You can play, why do you think they give you free drink tickets when you're there? As long as you're gambling, we'll give you free booze. Because they know, I think everybody knows as you listen to this podcast with a rational mind, hopefully. Uh, if you have a few drinks, you become a little less rational in every walk of life. You become a whole lot cooler. You become a lot better good, you know, a lot better looking. You, you, and you become a lot smarter, apparently. So if you're going to place bets, place your bets. Go to your buddies on a Sunday or Monday night or wherever. Go to the bar and watch a game. Have a few drinks. Enjoy yourself. But don't open the app on your phone. And this is one of the problems now because you can do it so quickly. Oh my don't God. open app, the that. app on your phone and just start throwing money at the game because it's, it sounds silly. But it's a great way uh, to lose money uh, because you think, you know, you think you're smarter than you are. You think you've got an edge that you didn't have before. Place your bets beforehand. Close the app. Enjoy yourself. So all right, I want to build off that a little bit. I love that, Doug. So first of all, just straight up, we know alcohol's uh, impact on people's inhibitions is is like a direct corollary, yes. right? So if we're if your inhibitions and your instincts are are down, the chances that your unit size suddenly becomes way bigger Absolutely. or your conviction in a game suddenly becomes way stronger is significantly yep. higher. So I think that's just a it's honestly just a scientific thing. It's it's not even I think that's pretty much objective. If I was going to say how do you avoid this pitfall, I'd say smoke a joint so you feel a little anxious. <laughs> If you smoke a joint and you get high off weed instead of alcohol, then you're going to be a little anxious and your bet size is probably going to go down. Probably go down. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that would be my suggestion for that, Doug. But I also want to, I want to come in and you said at the end, like, don't chase your losses. Like, don't uh, – and, and, and a big part of that was don't open the app while you're watching the game. And this is the perfect point for me to build off about th- how bullshit and how illegal the cash-out feature of these games should yes. be. So you should never, ever, 
ever, there's actually one example I could include it at the end, use the cash out feature and let me explain why. So for people, the public people and the, the beginners in this space uh, kind of use cash out features in two different ways. So I'll explain this situationally, Doug. I know I did the parlays with some math. This is in the same vein where you can't beat the math of parlays with cash out. You cannot overcome how bad of a minus EV you're getting. So let me explain this one a little bit situationally. Most people use the cash out feature in two situations. One, they placed a bet and the bet's looking really good. And okay, it's looking like it's going to win. So they're able to cash out and take some profit now, maybe like a 60% profit on your bet and you can close that ticket at halftime and just say, boom, I won the bet. Well, if you were going to cash out that ticket of halftime when it was looking good, you should have just placed a, a full half bet, like a, a first half bet, because right. you would have returned 100% and still covered on the same angle if you knew you were going to cash out just because it's looking good. You need to have a reason for it to, like, to want off of this ticket. And then furthermore, if your team has a 80% chance of winning, the book is likely giving you that 60% cash out option. If we were going to look at the basic math of it, in when, you're do, when your ticket is doing well and they want to offer you a, a cash out value so you can quote unquote lock in profit like an idiot, um, it's relatively a minus 20% EV. So like I said, you will in real time have an 80% chance of winning the bet, but they will give you a 60% cash out. So that is is highway robbery. On the flip side, some people like to think, oh my God, this bet's about to lose. Why don't I just cash it out for a few pennies and get some of my shekels back of my unit so that I don't lose at all? And on the flip side of that, they're doing the exact same thing. Yep. If, you're, if your chances that you're going to lose the bet are now 60%, they're making you pay 80%. If they're if they're make if you the, your bet chance that you're going to lose is 90%, they're making you pay 98%. Like they're making yep. you pay a significantly higher percentage to get out of a bet or to take or to, to take home a bet. And the way around this, and which should still be done rarely and situationally because it's a minus expected value thing to do, is hedging instead of cashing out. If you bet the Yankees money line and they're playing the Red Sox and you have the, uh, you know, you're at the fifth inning and the Yankees are up 6 nothing or whatever, and you're like, okay, I'm going to cash out. You shouldn't actually do that. What you should do in that situation where you have reasons where you want off a bet is you should actually in that situation bet the uh, live line of the Red Sox Red money Sox. line. So that's a yeah. hedge instead of a cash out. Now, a hedge in its basic math will give you a minus 10% EV on average, where a cash out is a minus 20%. So both of these things should be done situationally. A good situation that might call for a hedge is uh, a key player gets gets hurt or a key player's in, in really big foul trouble or something major swings that, uh, you know, like if LeBron suddenly gets hurt and the Lakers are up 12, I don't feel great about my Lakers minus 4.5 anymore. I might want to sell off, but the correct thing to do in that situation is to hedge. Doug, let me give you the one reason why you should ever cash out. Do you know what it is? Ever cash out a bet. The only one reason why you should ever hit the cash out button. Tell me. You got me stumped. Okay. So if you already did the dumbest thing in the world, which was place a, par <laughs> which was place a parlay. Yeah. The truth is the second dumbest thing you can do, if you cash out of parlays that look like they're going to win, 
it is the most criminally dumb thing in the world. Like yeah. that is, I, I just, I'll, I'll slap you in the face through the computer. So, um, but the only one time that it's worth doing this, Doug, let's say I put in one of these stupid $2 parlays and I got, it's $2 to win $16,000, right? It's some, yeah. something absurd. And, and I want off of the ticket for a reason or whatever. And, and I did not expect to win this at all. And I was simply doing this to throw off the operators or whatever. And I, I did a parlay because I was knowingly being stupid. But now that parlay is actually close to winning. The only reason when you should cash out that ticket is when that has a reason that you want off of it. And then the flip side is you can't hedge it because you would have to put $10,000 into your bank account live to then hit the other line and then hedge it properly. So if you don't have the proper funds to hedge a bet because you got such a long shot parlay, which happens to be doing well, then situationally you could consider cashing out. That should be the only reason to do it when you can't hedge because you would suddenly have to deposit $10,000 into DraftKings. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with you. Um, cashing out, I mean, it, it just comes... For people getting into the space, I think you have to ask yourself, uh, why is the book letting me cash out? Yep. You know, these books these books aren't in the business of, of goodwill. You know, they're yep. not trying to be, oh, we're trying to, you're, you know, they don't know if you're a new better, experienced better. They don't know who you are. They're trying to make money off you and they're giving you less a premium, less, less return than what you should get. Uh, it, sometimes it looks enticing. It's always a bad, bad move to cash out. I agree. Completely. So I was actually, Doug, someone reached out to me from who was like a, a marketing person for a sports book and reached out to me asking if I would do like some freelance content and consider doing some stuff for them for in exchange for some money as like a freelance gig. And yeah. I looked into their product and what their product was, was doing, uh, they're like a fantasy type of game where you're only betting money lines and then using cash out features to then try and make as much money you can in a, in a day. So that way, and if you win the day with the most money, then you win a grand prize. So for example, the way this would work is like you would put in a bet at the seven o'clock game, and then you would hope that that bet is off to a really good start. And then you would cash out of the one that, the, and then you'd put in another one for the 7.30 and you'd hope that's out good. And then you cash out and then you put in another one for the eight o'clock and you're trying to stack as much cash out value and then just hit your last bet. So that way you've profited with four cash outs and one just straight bet win as opposed to just one straight bet win. So that right. was the way to win these fantasy games was to play money lines and use cash out features to which I responded to the person. And I was like, dude, that I, you must not actually listen to what I talk about if you're asking me to do that. Like you must, like there is no way I could support or do freelance work for a sports book that would yeah. directly shoot in the face of everything I talk about as good gambling practices. So this uh, sports book, I won't mention their name, uh, they only offer money lines and cash outs. They do not offer any other type of line. And uh, they asked me to really? do some freelance content and I gave them the bird. Yeah, it, you know, interesting if you're just playing fun money, but if you're actually betting money and taking it out early, that's that's. Uh, that's yeah, a I was like, I don't strategy. think my people want to listen to this, no, and then I look not. like a complete kind of going fraud. against everything you've said. <laughs> yeah, I think Doug. So just let's quickly hit on a few others. Like we don't need to go in depth on them, but it seems like playing money lines instead of spreads is a common rookie mistake. Just thinking that you are getting. Uh, like, oh, I'll just play the minus 150 instead of the, you know, the minus 2.5 situation because I just, yeah. you know, I want that extra security. But you don't realize in football that the chances of a one and two point outcome 
are so irrelevant that yeah. we don't need to, like, we should 100% be playing the spread. I think there's uh, people err on the side of playing money line favorites when they first come in. Like, that is priced into the money line. Yeah. It, yeah, I, I think one of the common uh, mistakes coming in is always playing favorites, whether it's money line or, or, or even a spread. And uh, right. more so the money line, you're right. Uh, you know, in college football, you get some crazy spreads, you know, like, like 40, 45 points. Insane. Yep. Yeah. You, you also get a lot of 20, you know, Texas is playing, um, you know, an FCS team and um, a weaker team and they're favored by 30 points. Well, and you're getting, you know, minus 8,000. You're like, oh, it's a guaranteed win, you know, but uh, I'll put in my hundred bucks and, and make pennies on the dollar. Well, upsets happen. Not, not, more so maybe in college sports and the pros, but um yeah, when you're getting these really low money lines and, and you think, you know, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, you're a fan, you think you know the game, oh, they're, you know, the better team, uh, I'm just going to make the easy money. Well, it's all priced in. You know, these books aren't dumb. They're not just putting a minus 300 money line out there uh, just to give away money. Oh, you know, whoever bets this, everybody's going to win it. No, uh, it's all priced in. And and, and again, this, this is probably a little deeper than today's chat, but I think one thing when you're getting into it, uh, wagering is understand how lines work and how they're made and how money lines are set and what moves a money line. You know, we know it's it's the, the money coming in and, and the, the books are trying to offset their liabilities, having equal bets on both sides. But understand how these lines are made. So when you see a minus 300, that's not a lock to win. Nope. Uh, you know, it, it, a football game where the spread's minus eight or nine and, and money line's minus, I don't want to lay that many points while well, I'll lay minus 280, minus 300 in the money line. Okay, well, your return over time is not going to necessarily be better because it's not an easier way to bet. Because inevitably, especially in the NFL, inevitably teams cover eight, nine, ten point spreads and they win outright. And all it takes is, you know, if you're betting minus 300 all the time, every third or fourth game you lose, uh, there, go, there goes your profits from the first three or four. So it's uh, it, it Doug, is I'm, a look, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the Ravens Texans week one. And it's like a nine point spread. The money line's minus 450. Yeah. So, you know, you, they, Jesus. So, yeah, uh, that's an easy win, also, right? That's an easy win. You just take you just I actually do I think, think I'm so. taking the Ravens in my survivor pool. But, yeah, I, I still don't consider me. Even I don't consider anything an easy win. I think lock well, is hey. a fallacy. Yeah. I think guaranteed profit is a scam. Yeah, all these things. I also There's think, a, you know, to get back to this, you know, how many people have been in survivor pools and how easy are they? Impossible, uh, many, dude. I lose. Exactly. I lose week three every time. Exactly. You take that guaranteed win. You know, oh, they, you know, New England, who I don't think is going to be great this year. They got an easy game. It's the only game they're going to be favored in the next two months. You take them, they lose. Yeah. You know, and, and and that money line that it New was versus the minus, Bears last year. They got smacked. Right. Right. It happens all the time. So if you're just banking on money line uh, um, uh, as easy profits, it's not. And just user survivor pools example. It's just, it's tough. Specifically in the NFL, it's tough just to sit there and pick straight out winners. No it spread, is nothing. Very hard. Uh, and and yeah. I think overs are also a tendency, especially in the player prop market. Everyone likes to just bet Absolutely. certain player over. There's a reason why the sports book will offer, you know, if Tatum's points prop is 30 and a half for one game, there's a reason why they're offering the over 25 line, the over 20 line, and the over 15 line, but they're not offering unders for those lines. It's yeah. because like they could juice the shit out of those overs and they understand these these instances happen. Maybe he gets an early foul trouble. Maybe he tweaks an ankle. He scores two or three points, eight points that game or whatever. And they're just raking in so much money from people who are trying to slap together 
big money line favorites and putting them in parlays. That is some serious sucker shit. Well, and, and, and to that point, I mean, like I said earlier, the, the guy's a Jets fan is never going to bet against the Jets. Uh, if you're betting on um, props or even if you're betting totals, um, nobody wants to bet an under. Inherently, you know, if you, if you, well, no, I, I do too. I, I love him too. But, you know, know like yeah. if, if you're a Jason I, Tatum for fan. For the people who didn't see me, I raised my hand because I'm the world's love, yeah. biggest under lover. Yeah, and, 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 and underdogs, right? Nobody wants to take an underdog and nobody wants to take an under because uh, if you're a Jason Tatum fan, you don't want to watch the Celtics game and hope he throws up bricks. Right. You want him to go out and go off. You want him to throw 40. Yeah, I got an over 25 and a half and he put up 40. I'm a genius. I knew that was coming. Um, and football too, right? It's everybody, not everybody, but as you're getting into this, you want a high scoring game. You want to sit there and watch offense. You don't want to watch the Brave, uh, the Browns and the Ravens have a 13-10 classic defense banger game. No, you want a shootout. So, so many people inherently look to the over on props, uh, on totals, uh, play the favorites. And it's, it's again, it play the number, not the team. And... Um, you know, unders hit as often as overs hit. That's how sports books work. So it's just not that easy to just go, I want over, especially in, especially in props. I don't know what the number is, but I'm going to bet a high percentage of props are played to the, uh, much higher percentage of props are played to the over. That would be an amazing, under. that would be an amazing stat to know. All I know is I've seen those rare instances when like a book will come out and say 100% of the, of the bets are on this side. I've never seen a situation where 100% of the bets were on an under. It's no. always 100% of the bets are on so-and-so's over, PJ Tucker's over today. It's just like, oh my God. Okay. I'll be, I'll be the one going the other way. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Doug, so I think this was great. I think we covered uh, parlays, definitely. Bankroll management and just changing unit size on a whim. Having too many bets and having volume. The cash out feature. Betting on your own team. Betting with your uh, heart over your head would be very stupid. Uh, Cashing out, definitely don't do that. I hope everyone who listened today got a good sense of just some basic tips to avoid. There are plenty of more uh, beginning errors. So I would just put a reminder that if you're new to the sports gambling space, keep your volume low as you start to learn these things. As me and Doug hopefully do a few more pods together, as we start to talk some football over the next few weeks and months, you will start to learn and pick up a lot of these tips and tricks. So you don't need to have a lot of bets and now you can put them in later. Doug, where can... One thing if I could just quickly add uh, before we wrap up here is all the information that you and I have just discussed... Um, I think the best strategy for somebody new, or even if you're trying to, you know, you're looking at what you've been doing and you're wondering what you're doing wrong, take some of these things and just try them for a month or two. Start yes. the NFL season and just bet one percent. If you have a, you know, if you have a thousand dollar bankroll, one percent's ten bucks. Nobody wants to bet ten bucks on a game. You know what? Go to two percent. Bet twenty bucks on a game and just on games and just roll with that for a couple months and see how it works. You know, don't cash out your bets. Don't go into parlays. Bet twenty bucks a game through the first seven or eight weeks of the NFL, see how that works for you. Uh, you know, j- just, just to try and some of the things we've talked about, um, just try and implement them in your system and see if it works. Maybe some will work, some won't. You tweak them a little. Um, but you know, these aren't, most of these aren't something that you and I have just made up. These are like hard, true gambling facts oh, yeah. that have been proven over decades. And you know, just especially if you're new to it, roll into it slowly. Like you said, limit your bets, your number of bets. Roll into it slowly. Figure it out. It may take a full season of, N- of the NFL, like 17 weeks, 20 bucks a game. Just slowly roll into it 
and figured out, yeah, that's not sexy. You can't tell your buddies you just made 10 grand betting in the NFL this year, but you also can't tell your buddies that you just lost your thousand dollars in four weeks because you just blew your brains out. Slowly, take it easy. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Figure out your strategies. Use some prudent uh, uh, management techniques. And uh, there's no guarantee in betting, but you're improving your chances of succeeding if you do. Doug, I love everything you said. Where can my audience find you and find all of your amazing MLB plays and your college football and basketball stuff? Because they know they certainly aren't getting that from me. Well, you can find me, um, obviously, at Sports Ethos. Go to sportsethos.com. You can get all our packages there um, and all of my plays. You can find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Reed 34. That's underscore R-E-I-D 34. And my pod, which has been in a bit of a hiatus this month, but we'll get back to it, is uh, Today in Sports Betting. And once I get that up and running, come NFL time, you're definitely going to be on there, Michael. Awesome. Um, So that's where you can find me. Thanks for having me. This has been a blast. And hopefully we can do it again soon. Thank you, Doug. And to all my listeners, as always, deuces.